Want to get the edge in your Premier League betting predictions? Pinnacle delved deeper into the data behind all of the Premier League matches every single game week. We combine Pinnacle's sharp betting markets with the game's latest analytical metrics to help you find value in the odds. This is EPL Insights. Welcome back to EPL Insights for Game 14 in the Premier League. Gareth Wheeler, Jake Osgathorpe with you as we put Game Week 13, an absolute disaster, well into the rear view mirror. This podcast presented by Pinnacle, 25 years of the best numbers on market. I don't know what kind of numbers were showing last week. I felt good. I felt swagger coming out of the international break. And it all went poof, Jake, a week to forget for both of us in terms of the markets, our bets, and our plays on this podcast. Just a bit, yeah. Um, we were talking just before recording. It's probably the worst combined weekend we've had since we started doing this together. Um, just one of those. Also, just probably coincidental that we shared the same uh, opinions and picks <laughs> across the board. So maybe we need a few more head-to-heads to avoid such a... Uh, a calamity, but yeah, there was a couple well, of bad beats, weren't there? At least you need the head to heads. You seemingly come out on top there, but yeah. it's just it's just the way that 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 things broke. What was available to us? Of course, the weekend started off with a one-one draw, City Liverpool. Uh, we both were on Brentford that they were going to cause some problems uh, against Arsenal. It almost came good. A late goal by Kai Havertz gave Arsenal a one-goal lead. There was controversial decisions um, in, in terms of what happened to Wolves on Monday Night Football. That was a tough Just pill a to bit. swallow for me on top of a really bad week otherwise. But the one that we were probably the, the, the furthest off on was Newcastle. You know, yeah. 4-1 victory with Chelsea. Both of us thought it would be a difficult spot for Newcastle, despite playing at home with with basically a limited squad. And they still have a limited squad going into this, this upcoming week. That was a, probably the biggest swing or miss and represented kind of all that played out for us last week. Yeah, big time. Um, it, was all, it, it was a result to kind of make you sit up and take notice again of Newcastle at home because they are a frightening prospect most of the time, even when they've depleted, it seems. And, you know, they they, are, they were very limited in resource. Libermento was playing at left back. Uh, he had a good game. Obviously, Miley, the young young lad, has been brought in in midfield. He played Amazing. well. Uh, played really well in, in, in midweek as well. So, yeah, that, that was the one we were furthest away on. Um, and then... Uh, the other one was the Everton Man United game, which I was on Everton on the handicap. And the the one thing that you don't want when you're on a pro Everton bet, when it's a cauldron, like the place is buzzing, it's ready to explode, is an overhead kick for the ages after two minutes. It just killed the entire mood, momentum. The crowd went dead silent. And don't get me wrong, Everton played really well after that up to half time and probably should have equalised. But that was just, you know, it's not your week when Ganacho, you know, jumps four, 14 foot in the air and overhead kicks into the top corner. I was on the unders in that game, and I think it's a little bit of karma because I made fun of Anthony Martial, the fact that he can't run anymore, <laughs> and guess who scores the third goal in that game to make it a, a, a half-bet loss for me. So, I, I mean, it was, just, it, it was just one of those weeks. On a positive side of things, 
both of us were right and we're on Aston Villa to come away with the results. Um, I think we were both on the draw, no bet that game. They went on to win outright against Spurs. 2-1 was the final. And this team is looking absolutely legitimate. They're a top four side right now. Their home form is outstanding. That was a big away win for a team. The things haven't been straightforward away from Villa Park. Under Unai Emery, this team has become a real force and a legitimate top four contender. Digging into the numbers, Jake, what do they tell you about this Aston Villa side and potentially how good they may be? Yeah, just just from a, a base perspective, looking at points accumulated since um, Unai Emery came in, it's actually quite staggering. So he was appointed on November the 1st and Villa have picked up 77 points in that time which is only two fewer than Liverpool and only six fewer than Arsenal. Man City a little bit further ahead there, 89 points. Um, yeah, just the consistency with which they've churned out results has been miraculous, really. And what we've seen, what we saw at the back end of last season was a little bit of fortune. So they, they actually finished higher than they probably should have based on the results across the course of the season. They punched above their weight quite considerably um, after Emery came in from a, a defensive, uh, an attacking standpoint, sorry. But this season, it's been the opposite. They're, the underlying process they're putting up is that of a top four team, a top four contender. Um, and, you know, the, the home form, still 100% record, which I think is insane. Um, and, yeah, the big question mark for the sustainability of their kind of push is, is away results. And, you know, going into the game against Spurs, it was rightly leveled at them that potentially they've let, let quite a few potential points slip already. Listening back to the defeat at Nottingham Forest was probably the main one. Um, but yeah, the signs were all there for them to be a really difficult opponent for any team, whether travelling or not. Um, and yeah, like I said, the data is extremely strong. And if they do continue it, they've got an exceptional chance of of finishing the top four, especially when you look at the problems of, of Spurs injury-wise. They look like they're going to be missing key players until the new year. Um, obviously, Man United still somehow within touching distance of that top four, um, despite playing rubbish for most of the season. Uh, and they've got a nice cushion to Newcastle and Brighton as well. So it really is a good time to be a Villa fan. And I would not be at all surprised to see them finish top four. But as we say, top four, they could end up being five places in the Champions League for Premier League teams. So that fifth place might be enough. Uh, remember, sometimes score lines lie. First week of the season, smash 5-1. At Newcastle, Buendia goes out through injury. Mings threw out through injury. You, you're thinking, how is this season starting? But they, they played consistently well. Their form, the underlying data, all sides with Aston Villa being a legitimate side to contend for a top four spot. Unai Emery, finally in England, getting some respect he well deserves. He's, he's done this in Spain for years with lesser sides or limited sides in terms of their resources, punching above their weight. And Unai Emery's doing it again. Is, is there anything that you're looking out for here of the upcoming weeks from Aston Villa to, to kind of continue to reinforce what we've seen thus far? Um, not particularly. I still want to see a little bit more performance-wise away from home because uh, anyone who watched a game against Spurs will have seen that Spurs could have had probably six goals in the first half. Um, they looked very, very open, very easily exposed. Uh, so I do want to see just a little bit more from them away from home um, and just to see how they manage the schedule because so far they've managed it exceptionally well with the midweek uh, and weekend stuff. They, they've actually won 
We played six games in Europe, if we include the qualifiers, uh, which did take place in season. They've actually won four of their following Premier League games for, after those midweek matches, uh, lost only away at Liverpool, drew at Wolves. So they've got a, a very good record following Europa League um, games, uh, Europa Conference League, sorry. It's just, it's just for me how they deal with the rapid build-up in schedule. Because, yeah, it's all right going Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday, but we get to the festive period, it's Sunday, Tuesday, Saturday, Wednesday. Like It's literally just non-stop relentless. So um, that, for me, is is, is key. And, and also, they've been a little bit fortunate with injuries. I know they've had a couple of big, serious injuries at the back, Tara Mings mainly. I know Jacob Ramsey's been out for quite a spell. But the bulk of their starting eleven has stayed fit for quite a long – well, for the first – we're in our third of the season so um, that's always important for any team that wants to kind of push above the weight and you know challenge the establishment if you like they're uh, playing in Europe but their conference league group very very easy it's not like Brighton who's actually playing some big clubs it's much more difficult it's being straightforward so things may progressively get more difficult for Aston Villa as the season goes on hey if you like him to go on and win the Premier League the futures play at Pinnacle plus 3,806. So jump on the Villa train if you're feeling good about Unai Emery's chances to go on and lift a Premier League title for another club that starts with an A, which is not named Arsenal, who, by the way, are top the table here 13 game weeks. Let's get straight into this week's feature five. We'll get into our rapid fire picks as well as our other favorite plays from the weekend. So in the first game, why don't we, why don't we kick it off with First place, Arsenal taking on 12th place, Wolves. Arsenal coming off a 1-0 victory over Brentford. Kai Havertz, he was always going to come good. All he had to do was go to Germany and play at left back and get the good vibes going. Uh, an 89th minute goal. Uh, they're now unbeaten in 17 Premier League London derbies. Or Arsenal, incredible. And this is the second time they beat Brentford 1-0 in the season already, having already beat them in the Carabao Cup. They are top of the table for the first time this season. Go on, you Gunners. Third straight win. They're 5-2-0 at home. 18 goals scored, 7 conceded. 14 of their 27 goals this season, this is interesting to me, have come from set pieces or penalties. That's 52% from set pieces, which is the highest rate in the Premier League. They always look a threat every corner kick. You just feel like they're going to score. David Ray can come back in. Uh, Aaron Ramsdale, job well done. Came away with a clean sheet, although it wasn't straightforward. Gave away the ball and almost conceded. It would have been his fault in the first half of that game, but the ball was cleared off the line. Uh, Vieira is hurt. Party is hurt. Vieira suspended as well, as well as being hurt. Uh, and also, Arsenal play Wednesday. We're recording this Wednesday ahead of the Champions League fixtures. They do play long. Uh, Wolves, controversial 3-2 loss to Fulham. The Semedo pen, the Kilman pen. Both so soft. Uh, no clean sheets in 11 for Spurs. They've got over two and a half in their last five. Both teams have scored to score as have played in their last 10 straight games in all competitions. Wolves have scored in every game other than their first game of the Premier League season, which is 12 games in a row now. It's not your grandfather's or your uncle's or even last year's Wolves team that can go out and score goals. Uh, just one clean sheet on the season, and that came game week three against Everton. They are two one and four away from home. Nine goals scored, eleven conceded. Lamina and Gomes are out through suspension. That's a two big losses in central midfield this week. 
Eight Nuri came off with an ankle injury after 20 minutes against Fulham as well and is a question mark at this time. Good news is that Dawson, the center back, comes back into the team. Head-to-head, Arsenal won in this fixture 5-0 last season. Arsenal also won 2-0 at the Molyneux. Arsenal four straight wins against Wolves, and Wolves haven't had a clean sheet in 18 against the Arsenal. So is there a bet to make here? Clearly, Arsenal, overwhelming favorites to go to win this game. They're first place. They're top of the table. Everything's going well, seemingly, for Arsenal. Um, But is there a play to make in this game? I think so. Um, And it's, you know, hearing all those numbers, I've got most of them written down. It it seems almost too obvious, too easy. Um, to take both teams to score. Don't say it. <laughs> yeah, it's never easy, not after last week. Um, but yeah, taking both teams to score really does appeal. I mean, I cannot believe the price that we're getting on this. Plus 120 for both teams to hit the back of the net. Now, you may think, yeah, it's Arsenal at home. They're very good. The top of the table, their XG process is fairly solid defensively. Um, but, so far this season, both teams have scored in five of their seven home games. And since the start of last season, so this is 26 home games, both teams to score has landed in 19 of those 26. So a 73% strike rate, which is just remarkable, really. Um, so you know, if you're taking that implied probability and turn it into a price, you'd get minus 270 based on the historic um, success rate. So... The plus number is, I think, silly. Um, I think the fact that Arsenal will have played midweek, I know it's not it's not the biggest game that they've got of the season, but you know, if they win, they secure top spot in the group. So they'll probably play a fairly strongish team. Won't want to have to travel to um, is it PSV and get a result in the final game to potentially finish top. Um, and yeah, you've got Wolves at the opposition, which makes it even stranger for me that, that we're getting a plus number. Because Wolves have been a completely different side under Gary O'Neill from a underlying process perspective, from a results perspective, from an eye test perspective. They've actually been good to watch, um, which we've not Very been good. able to say for years now, have we? Um, yeah, they've just been fun. Like They're averaging 1.4 expected goals for per game, so they're creating chances. Uh, they're conceding 1.7 expected goals against per game, conceding chances. Um, and yeah, both teams have scored, like you said, in all the last 10, it's actually landed in 11 of their 13 league games this season. And the two that it didn't, so yeah, the, the two games that it didn't, was Man United on the opening day. They created 1.7 expected goals and should have scored. Should have probably had a late penalty as well. Um, and a 1-0 win away at Everton, where Everton created 1.9 expected goals. So the two games that didn't have both teams scoring Wolves this season should have had both teams to score Wolves. So they should be 100% across the board. Um, I think they've got more than enough firepower to cause problems for Arsenal. I think the fact that they'll play more attacking front foot style than previous years Wolves would have and taking the game potentially to Arsenal should see chances. Um, and you, you just look at the teams that have already scored there. I mean, Fulham hit them twice. Burnley scored at Arsenal not so long ago. I think Wolves are more than capable of doing so. So yeah, for me, one unit plus 120, both teams to score. Just cannot believe the price. Nice. Uh, I, I strongly consider that play. I'm going to go a little bit different. Over 2.75 goals at minus 108. Uh, if both teams to score, you're just about there. Uh, the only concern that I have is it's not 
the way that Wolves have been playing, it's these two critical central midfield players that really provide an engine, a lot of physicality, a lot of athleticism in the middle of the park, both of them out. So what is that central central midfield like? Belgard has been good, um, but who's he going to play with in that position? And does Gary O'Neill, is he going to be forced to bring on another attacking player? That, to me, suggests that Wolves might be a little bit more wide open. Uh, it's very difficult to break the back line of Arsenal because they've been good defensively. But I think if Arsenal gets one, it could be two or three in this game. So to me, I'm, I'm proceeding with a little bit of caution based upon those absentees with Wolves. And I'm going to just back the goal total. Hopefully Wolves go on and score an early goal and force Arsenal to just come in waves at the end. That's my hope. They have been scoring uh, the first goal in a lot of these games as well. Uh, have Wolves. So let's just go straight up with the over. Uh, 2.75 full unit play on this one minus 108 decent enough number for me to get behind yeah 2-1 shake hands yeah done and done uh and we'll see if arsenal finish the weekend still atop the table arsenal top i mean it, it shouldn't surprise they'd be progressing uh they've avoided the injury bug in in earnest i mean party's been out for a long time for the most but, part yeah. um good at set pieces strong defensively the ingredients are there for them to go on and challenge. Can't believe I'm saying that. Uh, let's move it on. Also on Saturday, quick turnaround for two sides who played in the Champions League this week. It's seventh place Newcastle taking on sixth place Manchester United. Newcastle somehow below Manchester United in the table going into this weekend. They're on 23 points. Manchester United are 24 points. Uh, Newcastle came away with a hard-fought 1-1 draw against PSG on Tuesday away from home. Manchester United, we're recording this podcast before they play Galatasaray in really a must-win on Wednesday in Istanbul. Newcastle beat United with a weakened team 3-0 at Old Trafford in the Carabao Cup already this season. As for Newcastle in league play, 4-1 victory with Chelsea last weekend. Ho-hum. Four different goal scorers. They seem to always do that. They, they load up and score a ton of goals. And it's always by different players. There's not one player leading the way. Uh, Reese James was sent off in the 73rd minute for Chelsea, but it was 3-1 at that time. And it, the, the result never quite seemed like it was in the balance. Uh, Jake mentioned it earlier. 17-year-old Lewis Miley stepped up and stepped in. has been excellent thus far, despite the handball controversially being given up. Um, uh, I think that was Livermento, but Miley was involved in that as well uh, midweek. 6-0-1 at home. 18 goals scored, 14 against, 17.54 expected goals courtesy of Understat in seven games. And their only loss at home came in a wild finish, 2-1 loss to Darwin Nunez in Liverpool. Uh, that 1-1 draw is notable on Tuesday against PSG. They were outpossessed. They gave up 31 shots to PSG. They rode their luck for a long time in that game. But anyhow, did it make a change the entire game? He didn't have a bench to make a change. I, I, I know. I think, did he have three goalkeepers on the bench? It's it's incredible. And Jamal Lascelles, he couldn't play. He wasn't good enough to play in the Premier League last year. He just turned into a better version of himself all of a sudden. Newcastle have gone to, to the under two and a half and four or five in all comps, and they haven't had a clean sheet in their last four. They do, however, according to Understat, have the third best expected goals and expected goals in the Premier League. Uh, Sharon Isak played last week. Uh, there's the lengthy list of absentees remains. Longstaff is the most likely to return by the weekend. As for Manchester United, go on, Garnacho. A three, a wonder goal and a three nil victory. Uh, the bicycle kick, 
brought back memories of Wayne Rooney. Still nowhere near the best bike bicycle kick goal I've ever seen. I, my favorite's Rivaldo against Valencia 2001. Popped it up to himself, and I'm not sure if you have a favorite one. Uh, but it was eerily similar to the Wayne Rooney uh, bicycle kick against Manchester or Manchester City. Martial and Rashford also scored, meaning that all three forwards scored in a game after going nine games without an attacking player, without a forward scoring a goal for Manchester United. They were played at times, and the XG showed that 2.5 to 2.07 in Everton's favor. Hoyland and Anthony missed out. Both players have traveled to Istanbul. Kobe, uh, Kobe Minu was excellent, and Luke Shaw returned to the team as well. It was the first time United scored three in a Premier League away match since a 6-3 loss to City last season, and their biggest away win since a 3-0 victory at Spurs in October of 2021. Now United, they still remain the informed side in the Premier League. Five wins from six, which is the most points over that span. 12 points is their fourth most earned away from home as well. 15th best away expected goals, however, and they're in the bottom half in terms of expected goals against. Head-to-head, it was a 2-0 victory for Newcastle in this fixture last season. So United starting to pick up some momentum, starting to put the pieces together a little bit, but Newcastle's home form is sensational. I wonder how much love left in the tank. They left it all out there on the field in Paris on Tuesday night. So what do you make of this tie between two sides really battling, trying to make that jump into top four conversation in terms of the Premier League table? Uh, should be a good game this weekend, Jake. Do you have a play for this one? It should be a good game, yeah. Um, and I did have a good wrestle around a play in this one, just to... Newcastle were too short. I did start doing my notes yesterday and they were around minus 107. They've since drifted to plus 104. Uh, and I think they'll carry on drifting. And I'm going to, I'm going to make Newcastle to win a play. I'm going to have a unit on Newcastle to win. Um, it's not the most confident pick of the season, but I just think even with a skeleton squad, the way in which Man United are playing and the way in which Newcastle have made St. James's a fortress, I think there's a big gulf between these two, these two teams. And I think that that price doesn't quite reflect it. I'd have it closer to around the even money mark, probably a slight bit of odds on. Um, they will be leggy. As we've said, they've got a, a small pool of players to choose from. Um, but, you know, they've, they've had a day, they'll have a day's more rest yeah. to Man United. It's critical. Uh, the game's not it's as huge. Yeah, huge. It's, it's, it's big, especially with the, the fact that obviously they made no changes. It means you can have basically two days off to recover. Um, work on the tactical stuff before getting back on the ground. Um, and yeah, the fact that it's also an eight o'clock kickoff helps them as well because it's almost like it's an extra day as opposed to it being a half 12 kickoff, right? They, they don't have to start getting prepped until later on. So they, they've got that in their favour. And as you mentioned, the home form is just absolutely staggering. Um, last 26, so since the start of last season in the Premier League, they've won 18 of those 26. They've lost just three times, twice to Liverpool, um, once to Arsenal. And the underlying process so far this season has been exceptional at home. 2.3 expected goals for, 0.9 expected goals against per game. Absolutely destroyed Chelsea uh, when we quite, well, we thought that Chelsea were turning the corner. They'd just um, beaten Spurs, held Man City, and they got absolutely annihilated to the point where Reese James completely lost his head, got sent off. Um, and that was it. It was game over pretty much. Um, and yeah, Everton against Man United was, as we touched on at the start, it was a weird game in the sense that 
Like if if Garnacho's overhead kick goes into Rosed, I still think that Everton probably win that game. I just think that it was it was perfect kind of game state for United to score early, quiet in the crowd. Um, having said that, the halftime XG was one point four three to Everton, zero point zero nine to Manchester United. They had just two shots in that first half, um, and then obviously Everton had to open up a little bit more, and United caught them out and. Ashley Young does Ashley Young things at this stage of his career and gives gives his old team a penalty. Um, but yeah, as you touched on, the, the form away from home is good. The process away from home is poor. Uh, if they continue performing the same way from an XG perspective, then the results will only get worse for Manchester United on the road. Uh, they actually sit eighth worst in the entire league based on expected goal difference per game. I, I still think they're massively opposable, even if it is a Newcastle team that can't make a sub I just think that they're going to have plenty more quality. They're a well-organized team. They work the socks off, and they've got the home crowd in what is a, you know, it, it's quite a big game at this stage of the season. As you said, they're both looking for top four, and there's a couple of points separating them. So it is a big game uh, against a, a potential Champions League rival. So yeah, I'm going to ride with Newcastle. Um, I, I'm a, the only. I'm a little bit hesitant to lock in at this price because I think the price will continue to drift. But for um, this podcast purpose, you'll you'll like it. Yeah, exactly. But what I would say for listeners is I would probably just keep an eye on the line because I, I have a feeling it might go off at like a plus 110 or something like that. In which case, if you wait a little bit longer, you might get a little bit more juice. But um, having said that, if United get beaten by Galatasaray tonight as we're recording it before that, then the sheet might shorten again. So um, I'm locking it in, plus 104, full unit. Well done. And we got head-to-head. No, we don't. No, we don't. No. Just to back up, like... I can't bet United in this spot is a very difficult team to bet against. I get it. On understat, their expected points away from home is 6.59. They have 12 on the season. So they're punching above their weight, but this team has been pragmatic. That's how they've been going about doing their business. Nothing has looked great, um, but they're coming away with results. They're coming away with wins, not just results. They haven't drawn a game in, in, in the Premier League. So I'm going to avoid the result in this one. If I was to make a play, it, it would be backing Newcastle. But I'm just going to go back to the goal total here and go with the under, under 2.75 at minus 109. I'm still not convinced that United are an outfit that can go out and finish or necessarily create enough really good chances. There's those one or two that are brilliant. It's about Rasmus Hoyland who hasn't scored yet in the Premier League. Like players like that need to go in and finish. What is this team going to look like going up to St. James's Park? I think Newcastle is the prudent play here, but I think that this game will be kept a lot more manageable. Onana's on great form. They're fi- United's finding some consistency at the back. Luke Shaw back in the team absolutely helps. There is the ability to rotate because Rafa Varane hasn't been playing. Um, and their central midfield with, with Kabi Menu back or in that team. He can play the ball. He can play through the press. He has to play against Newcastle. I'm not sure if he's going to play against Galatasaray or not. He has to play against Newcastle because that's where Newcastle causes so much problems, being so aggressive, pressing, especially at St. James's Park. Menu has to play because he can play through that press. So um, I'm not sure how exactly it's going to play out in terms of where the result may end up. But I think that the underplay uh, is the best one for me going forward, especially if Isak or Almiron or any of these attacking players are carrying anything after playing a lot of minutes from Tuesday. Some of these guys haven't been fit. Big turnaround for them as well. So uh, let's go with that. Under the total for a full unit play at minus 109. And I'll be nervous the entire game making that play. I'm not entirely confident, but 
that would be where my lean would be. It has to be there. Anything to add or do you want to move things forward? Yeah, let's move on. I think uh, similar kind of sentiments really around the goal total. But oh, I can't resist me a Newcastle home home game. I get it. I, I, I totally get it. But last week we were sitting here with that squad. They're so thin. Do all the players come out good from, from Tuesday? I don't know. We'll, we'll see what that looks like. But certainly Newcastle at home, I, I, I just can't bet against them. It's kind of like Liverpool at home. I just can't bet yeah, against them. Yeah, for sure. 10th uh, place Chelsea take on 8th place Brighton, the ghost of Graham Potter Derby. That's what I'll call this one. A couple of notable <laughs> suspensions. Reese James, Lewis Dunk, two important defenders for the respective teams. Both out through suspension this one. Chelsea smashed 4-1 in what... My buddy Mopo called a lesson learned for his young squad. Uh, Lavia and, and Cuckoo didn't start, didn't play. Kowal only was good enough to come off the bench. As did Caicedo. Weird one wasn't in the starting 11. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah. Chelsea conceded four goals in back-to-back games. They only conceded four more goals in a game twice in their previous 56. Wow. It's Mopo's heaviest loss in the Premier League since losing to Brighton. They play this weekend, 3-0 in October of 2019. Uh, Kukurea uh, is suspended as well for this week. Gusto could return, but all of a sudden, they're going to need Colwell to step up and step in this weekend. No clean sheet in three. For Chelsea, they've gone over two and a half and five of six. Both teams to score in five of seven. Uh, they're the fourth best expected goals in the Premier League due Chelsea. Yet they're 1-3-3 three, and three at home. They've been dreadful. 10 goals scored, 11 conceded. Brighton are depleted, and they still found a way to win 3-2 over Nottingham Forest at a very difficult place. Dunk was sent off, and Brighton survived with 10 men. Ansu Fati went off injured in the first half as well. João Pedro came on and scored a brace. Take that, the Zerbi. Uh, Ferguson scored two, and the 19-year-old, it's his 11th goal in 2023. Uh, Brighton have scored in every Premier League game this season. Brighton broke a streak of three straight draws. All of them finished 1-1 and are back in the overs for the first time over that span. Go figure a week that I don't play them for the overs. Thank you very much. Both teams to score have played in every Brighton game this season, 13 games this season, and actually dating back 17 in total. They've gone in terms of both teams scoring, which is the longest run in Premier League history and the longest run since Manchester United back in 59-60. Wow. Uh, Dehu is still suspended. Milner and Matoma are likely to return. Lamptey and Fati both left the game. And Igor didn't feature, but he may be able to play this weekend. They do play at AEK uh in European football on Thursday. Head to head, Chelsea won one nil in the Carabao Cup in September. Uh, last season Brighton won two one at the bridge as well as four one at home. Brighton haven't had a clean sheet against Chelsea in six. Both teams to score in five of six. Should be a really good game, but it's just a matter of who's gonna play and who's gonna be available in this game. Uh do you have a play for this one, Jake? <laughs> Uh, I don't have a play in this one. This is a no bet for me. Um, it's too many question marks, too many issues with both teams, um, injuries for Brighton, suspensions, the fact that they play away in Europe on a Thursday. Um, and then for Chelsea, they're just very hard to get a grasp on, aren't they? You know, they, they play really well against, uh, against City and then completely shit the bed against Manchester, uh, against, uh, Newcastle last week. Um, 
and just in general, I can't, I can never at this moment in time, I can't back them at home, um, no matter the price, because they've won just three times at home in the Premier League this calendar year. Uh, I think they've played eighteen at home this calendar year. They've won three. Uh, one of them was against Leeds, who obviously got relegated. One of them was against Crystal Palace before Patrick Vieira got sacked, and the other one was against Luton. So not the best group of teams you've beaten there. Um, I'd say Brighton are probably better than all of those. So I was looking at maybe Brighton on the handicap, but that Thursday game just threw me. Um, and especially with such a limited squad, we've not seen them kind of put it together at the weekend following such a, uh, you know, a trip in, in Europe with a thin squad, like we have Newcastle. Newcastle have actually done okay off the back of Europe, but, um, yeah, I, I have too many question marks. So I've got no bet. What about you? I'm going with the total again in this one. Third straight game. I'm siding with the total, but I'm going to combine it. Both teams to score. Yes. And over two and a half at minus 109. Brighton every single game. They concede every single game. They score. Um, take Reese James out of this team. The fullback area is a little bit awkward for Chelsea. They'd be conceding uh, some cheap goals. Uh, I think Pochettino's right. They're a very young team. And as good as they look at times, they're still going to make mistakes. Um, and Brighton, if, if Chelsea get up a couple of goals, it wouldn't surprise me if Chelsea went on scored four or five in this game. It, it could really go either way. Brighton in the totals has served me very well. Uh, Brighton, very difficult team to, to limit in terms of their attacking chances. So let's just combine that. Full unit play, both teams to score yes, over two and a half at minus 109. That dunk suspension, not a good one. For, for Brighton, it complicates it even more. He's still on four yellow cards because he was sent off for descent, but he's still, I believe he's still on four yellow cards as well. So he was given the red after he was given a yellow, but it wasn't a second yellow. I think he was given a straight red. So that's, yeah, that's, right, that's yeah. going to be a tough one uh, for Brighton moving forward. A very good player for this team and someone that needs to keep things together at the back. Webster, I believe, still a week away from returning for, for, for Brighton as well. So that's my play in that one. Uh, continuing on Sunday, 16th place Bournemouth taking on 4th place Aston Villa, who are on 28 points and who are only 2 points back of Arsenal, who we sung their praises earlier in this podcast. Bournemouth, an important 3-1 away win at Sheffield United. The goal conceded came in second half, half stoppage time. Uh, Bournemouth vastly superior in this game, 23 shots, 11 on target. And then now they have now won three of four after not winning their first nine Premier League games this season. And Brighton, uh, Bournemouth also had the highest expected goals of the game week at 3.14. Uh, Justin Clivert became the second player who has scored in all of Europe's big five leagues in the 21st century. So he's now scored in in England, France, Spain, Italy, and Germany. Do you know who the other player is that's done it in the 21st century, Jake? Is it putting you on the spot? It's putting me on the spot, yeah. I'll, I'll, um, I'll come back to it. Well, as I kind of continue to break down this game, I'll let you come quiz back. question. The second yeah. player this century, or the 21st century, that's gone on to score the Europe's big five leagues. So congratulations to Cliver. Uh, Bournemouth have gone over two and a half and seven of eight. Both teams to score has played in five of six. Bournemouth have won their last two at home in the league and are two, two, and three overall. Six goals scored, that's it. Ten conceded. Lloyd Kelly was taken off and not sure how bad the hamstring injury may be. For Aston Villa, a 2-1 win at Spurs, and they came from behind after conceding in the first half. Ollie Watkins, what a player, came away with the winner. 
It's the first time Aston Villa been in the top four after 13 games since all the way back in 2009. And they edged the XG in the game 2.23 to 2.4. Back-to-back wins for Villa. They've conceded in their last seven games, however. Both teams to score has played in six of seven. Villa have gone over two and a half in five of seven in the Premier League. They improved to what three, one and three away from home. Eight goals scored, 13 conceded, which is a little bit weird. And their away form still room for an improvement. They're bottom five in terms of expected goals against. Kamara is suspended for this one. They're home to Legia Warsaw on Thursday in the Conference League. Head-to-head, Bournemouth won this fixture 2-0 last season, but Villa won 3-0 at Villa Park, and they played over 2.5 in 4 of 5. Do you know who that player may be? It's a tough one. I was going to... I was thinking, I was thinking Zlatan, but he's never played in Germany. Um, yeah, that was that was as close as I got. Really, was there uh, any clues? Played for City. Played for City. Uh, I'll just tell you because we're going to run out of time here. Jovetic, <laughs> Jovetic scored. Yeah, all five. Uh, we could have been, we could have done two free <laughs> podcasts, and I would never have guessed that. Stevan Jovetic. Great question. Uh, more important for the purposes of this podcast rather than Wheeler trivia is <laughs> do you have a play for this game? Bournemouth have started to play a little bit. This is kind of more like the Bournemouth team that we thought we would see from the beginning of the season. I don't think they're all the way there, but certainly playing away from home has been a challenge for Aston Villa. So is this one maybe a little bit less straightforward than many would believe? I think so. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going no bet again in this one. A uh, couple of, yeah, nagging doubts around both teams has, has kind of put me off a play. Um, as I mentioned before, Villa off the back of midweek European action, they've won four, drawn one, lost one, which is a really good record. Um, to say they played Thursday, Sunday, but overall, their pl- process away from home has not been fantastic. Uh, and Bournemouth, we did see them step up and beat Newcastle very comfortably before the break. Um, dominate Sheffield United away from home. Looked good in both, but I think this will be this will be a tougher game. So I was initially going to go with Bournemouth on the handicap, but then I t- just did a little bit digging about Villa's record post-European matches and just kind of put me off a little bit. And the fact that Villa, they just you know, they just get in the job done under an Emery. And um, I wouldn't be at all surprised if they went there and won. I do think that price is a little bit skinny yeah. for a Villa win, for people looking at that at plus 101. Uh, Want to see maybe plus 110, um, give Bournemouth a little bit more respect. But yeah, I've ended up just, just sitting on the fence with this one. Same thing. Uh, no bet for me, just because there isn't a number there that I think it, that is bettable. I agree. I was tempted at Aston Villa. It's, it's just going all one way. It seems like all the money is going on Aston Villa to to win this game and any juice that there might have been has been taken away. But I don't think it's that straightforward. I don't think that this is a lock. Um, Kelly would be a big miss for Bournemouth if he can't play. I looked at the total. They're, they're just The market doesn't speak to me here. There might be a play come kickoff or closer to kickoff. I doubt it, but I'm just going to stay away from this one entirely. It could be a little bit of a tricky trip to the South Coast for Aston Villa this weekend. Um, Finally, last but not least, in terms of our feature five, what a game on Sunday. It's second place Manchester City taking on fifth place Tottenham Hotspur. Spurs have now lost three in a row, and they lost Rodrigo Bentinker for three months 
as this player is just experiencing an injury nightmare. As for City, a 1-1 draw with Liverpool last weekend. Erling Holland, the most dominant player in football today. I didn't say best. I said most dominant. 50th goal in just his 48th Premier League appearance. The fastest to 50 goals since. You know the answer to this one? You probably do. Uh, I've seen it around on those graphics. Is it like Robbie Fowler or some? Or it's, it's Andy it- Cole. Andy Cole. Andy Cole. Took him 65 games. This guy's done it in 48. Incredible. Uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold's first goal of the season came in the 80th minute. Back-to-back Premier League draws for Man City. They played Leipzig on Tuesday. We're down 2-0 at halftime. Came back to win it 3-2. They're now undefeated in eight in all competitions. But have conceded seven goals in their last three games. Both teams have scored as played in four or five overall. And in their last five Premier League games, uh, also... They've gone over two and a half in seven of eight. Five, one and zero oh at home. 17 goals, sco- goals scored, four against. But their XG at home is only 11th best. It's very, very weird at 9.72 in six games. But they do have the best home expected goals against per game at 4.82. Kovacic didn't play midweek. Neither did Nunez, both likely out again this weekend. Spurs lost 2-1 to Aston Villa despite out-shooting and out-possessing the Villa. They're the fifth team in Premier League history to lose, lose three straight games despite scoring in each one. And only the third team in Premier League history to go unbeaten in their first 10 games only to lose three straight Joining, get this, this is how rare this is, joining the 1924-25 Huddersfield Town side, as well as, you're going to love this, Sheffield United in 71 and 72. That's it. Incredible. Uh, Spurs have gone over two and a half in eight of not eight of 10. Both teams to score have played in eight of 10. They lost their last away match 2-1 to Spurs, uh, 2-1 to Wolves, that is. But Spurs had the most away points through seven games with 14, 4-2-1 with 15 goals scored and nine conceded. Romero still suspended. What else is new? But Basuma is back and they hope that Sar is fit enough to return as well. And boy, oh boy, do they need him. Head to head, City won 4-2 in this fixture. But Spurs, they're tricky against City typically. Spurs won 1-0 at home last season. City, no clean sheets in four overall. And Spurs have been first to score in four of five. Uh, so here we go. Is this the week that Spurs turn things back around? It's very difficult to see that happening as they go to the Etihad to play the juggernaut who are not top of the table in Manchester City. What do you make of this one, Jake? I think it's going to be chaos, personally. Um, I actually think that it's sound, going to sound weird. I think if Spurs had a more defensive-minded manager, they'd probably get a result at the Etihad <laughs> because we saw Leipzig do very, very strange things to City in midweek. There was a lot of direct football, a lot of counter-attacking quick transitions. And we know that Spurs, they are, they are good at doing that, but they like to press high as well, which is not conducive to getting a result against City usually. Um, I think the fact they've not got any defensive personnel, especially the, at the heart of defence still, is a bit of a concern. Um, I think this could be one of those games where City bounce back. Um, I'm going to make the same play as I did last week with City to win and both teams to score at plus 156. Um, it was I thought it was unlucky not to win last week. Um, City had a couple of good chances Agreed. towards the end of the game. They also had uh, Alisson 
drop a couple that were very softly given as free kicks. I don't know if you'd agree. Um, just kind of little touch on his arm and they managed to get a foul there. Um, but yeah, I, I think Spurs, the way in which they play under Postacoglu, they're going to attack. They're going to create a few chances. Um, they, they definitely have the pace and the directness when they get on the ball to, to carve City open at times. Um, but yeah, I just think that they'll struggle to deal with City, bottom line. Um, and yeah, just, just on the back of the both teams to score, it's actually they across the last 16 Premier League home games. Both teams to score has landed in 10 of those for Manchester City. So again, it's quite a high strike rate. And then you factor in the level of opponent they're playing against, the way in which they're attacking at the moment, create a lot of good chances against Aston Villa. Um, and I think this could be one of those games that finishes 3-1, 2-1, 3-1, something like that. Um, yeah, that's my play. A unit on City win both teams to score. Should be a good game, though. Trust me, I was, I was with you on the City-Liverpool game. I just needed a goal. I was on both teams to score in the over, and things were looking promising, and the game um, just kind of just died out in the end. Uh, what we learned midweek against Leipzig is how important Alvarez and Doku are to this Man City side. Both of them will start on the weekend, no doubt. Like if Jack Grealish played for, just say, Manchester United and was underperforming as a $100 million player, all the headlines would be about Jack and what's wrong with him and what's wrong with the club. But City are immune from that because they're City and they have other young players who are stepping up and playing some incredible football. Vardial, same thing. He hasn't He's disappointed since joining City, but it doesn't matter because City just continue to go on and Nathan Ake will play and they'll be fine. So all those players will come in and the aforementioned struggling players will go out and City will be absolutely fine this weekend. Um, this team is scary good when they play their best 11, and I think they will this weekend. Man City at on the spread, uh, on the handicap, minus 1.75 at plus 104. Spurs are a nightmare at center back right now. Like they need Romero back in this team. Um, there's just they, they they play recklessly in terms of you know defensive football. There's no defensive back. You can't go to, to the Etihad and play that way. They they might score, but I, I mean I, I I trust City, especially if they bring back in an Ake or Stones. I think they can absolutely handle the Spurs team. Um, the Spurs fade has come through. I can't see it changing this weekend. It's as tough of a spot as you can ask for, um, especially with City, you know, getting the extra break. Like the Champions League is a Tuesday to Sunday, like no big deal. The fixture list has played into City's favor favor here as well. So City on the handicap. I already made the play. I made it last night at plus 104. It's come down to plus 102. Get it while you can. Um, that's would be my recommendation. So that's it. You're good yeah, to I, go? could, I could definitely see that happening. Um, I would be... Do you reckon he plays the same centre-half pairing this week, Emerson and Ben Davies? He clearly doesn't trust Eric Dyer, does he? Would you? What do you do? I, uh, I mean, you can bring back in Dyer, but would it make that much of a difference? Uh, to me, you're moving around deck chairs here. Um, you know, it's... it's <laughs> Van de Ven was great to start the season and kind of like helped them become the team that they were. And other than that, just their depth, that position, just nowhere near good enough to play with the top, top teams in the Premier League. So, yeah, my only question mark would be if the fact that Basuma's coming back in uh, and potentially Saar might just give him a little bit extra protection that they didn't have last week against Villa. Um, you might drop in and make a third centre half when they're building up and stuff like that, yeah. which could help them a little bit. I don't think it'll help them enough to get a result, obviously, but 
Um, yeah, I think they'll be competitive either way. They'll definitely give it a go. It it, it might make it might make you know that something like that might make a difference if they're playing Burnley or Luton Town or Fulham or someone like they're playing Man City this weekend away. I just I I, I can't see the I can't see them keeping this close. Um, we'll see what happens. They've they've surprised before. So they've come out come away with some big wins completely against the grain. But you said it, Jake, playing defensive football under Postacoglu, that's not how they play. Let's go rapid fire. It's Brentford facing Luton Town. Brentford, the first loss in 15 Premier League London derbies came against Arsenal. And it looks like they're getting some players back. Damsgaard, De Silva, Jensen, Rorslev could all come back into the team. They need that depth. They kind of ran out of steam at the end against Arsenal last week. And Luton Town coming away with a victory last week. And they're first at Kenilworth Road in the top flight since 1992. Uh, Brentford Luton Town, do you have a play in this one? Yeah, I'm going to take Brentford uh, on the handicap, but the line has actually moved from one to one and a quarter. I'm just still going to take the one. Brentford minus one. It's minus 126 to price. Um, one and a half unit play. They've been excellent at home this season. I know they got beaten last time out, but ninth best home record in the division. The results since the start of last season, one twelve drawn 10, lost four. Luton are actually the worst travellers in the league yeah. based on expected goals. Um, conceded two and a half expected goal against per game. The results have been poor as well. Won one, draw one, lost five. And if you'd have played the minus one handicap uh, blind on Luton away matches, you would have made a profit this season, basically. Won, it would have won three times, pushed twice and lost twice. And their only results have come against Forest, who we've got question marks against, and Everton, who at the start of the season... Couldn't hit a barn door, and it seems that's continued. <laughs> so I'm taking Brentford uh, minus one on the Asian handicap. Uh, I'm taking Brentford on the handicap, but I'm going to keep it minus 1.25 at plus 111. Uh, I think that this one could get ugly. I think that Brentford can really lay a beat down on Luton Town in this game. <laughs> Coming off a loss, the, a couple of things I'm looking at. The Luton Town, the worst expected goals against. It's not even close. Haven't had a clean sheet in 16. Interestingly, six of Luton Town's goals have come from penalties or set pieces. Um, Brentford defends really well in those scenarios. They're really well organized under Thomas Frank. So I think Luton Town will really have a difficult time creating anything whatsoever. Uh, I like Brent, uh, Brentford. I like Brentford at home. Uh, and Luton Town coming off that big win last weekend. Um, it's a good letdown spot for them potentially. Uh, Brentford big in this one. We're aligned for this one. Let's hope that in week 14, it means different things than it did last week. Um, the plug your nose derby, it's Burnley and Sheffield United. Burnley have lost six consecutive top flight games for the first time since 1895 and became the second team to lose seven to start a season, along with Newport County in the fourth tier in 70-71. Those seven losses, I mean, coming at home. These are ugly records. But if you want to talk about the underlying data and what's ugly, just take a look at what Sheffield United's pulling off right now. Uh, they conceded 34 goals. It's the most in their first 13 games, the most in the first 13 games of a season. Since 97 98, two teams conceded more through their first 13 games. Do you know who those teams were? 97 98? Um, 
given that I would have been about three years old, probably not. Well, um, Sheffield Wednesday could be one of them. There you go. You know, rubbish. To, that's uh, why I slid it in there, pal. Uh, yeah, 35 goals, but one team conceded more in the same season. And it was Barnsley, Ooh. 36. Barnsley. Barnsley. So, mm. I mean, this is the type of category Sheffield United is in here. Uh, I'm just going to go on and say it. I'm betting Burnley to win this. But they, like they have, I, I, I did last week. I thought they're up one. I can't believe that West Ham came back to win that game. I thought it was a lock the way the game was playing out. This is the week. Burnley has to win a game at home. Give me them on the out. Come on, if they're not beating Sheffield United, by the way, Sheffield United haven't won at Turf Moor since 2005. Eight straight that they haven't won. Like the data, the history. It's all there. Give me Burnley on an outright win. What's it at right now? I locked it in last night at minus 111. It's now out to minus 118. People are jumping on the Burnley outright win trade. Uh, it might get pushed out to a number you couldn't bet, but at minus 111, I was like, okay, but it's sliding, Jake. Get on it quick. I'm going nowhere near this game. Uh, even <laughs> if you give nose, me free tickets. Nose, uh, Come on. Yeah, even if I got free tickets, I would not be turning up. Um, this is not a game that I want to watch. It's not a game that I want to bet on. Two bad teams, um, and literally anything could happen. It's just going to be desperation on the pitch. I'd be interested to know who the referee was. I don't know if we've got those yet. Um, and could be one for cards, given the kind of magnitude of the game. I think whoever loses is probably resigned to relegate. I mean, if they're not already, probably resigned to relegation, losing to a team as bad as basically each other. Burnley. This is the week. Come on, man. Uh, Nottingham Forest, Everton. I do not have a play for this game. But I think it's going to be a really good game, really watchable. It's just Everton really missed Onana last week in their team. If he comes back, I'd be more tempted to make an Everton play. They played to a 2-2 and a 1-1 last season, these two sides. I think it's going to be likewise competitive this weekend, but there wasn't a play I could find to make in this game. How about you? Well, I had a play down. <laughs> I had Everton plus naught on the handicap, but when I looked yesterday, it was minus 105, and the price is now minus 117. And I don't think I can make that play at that price. Everton have, have shortened quite a lot, and I do wonder if it's to do with the rumours, reports around Steve Cooper. Um, over here, we have a, a sack race market, betting on the next Premier League manager to leave. And Steve Cooper has gone from plus 3,300 to plus 500 to be the next man to go. So there's been a lot of money for him to be the next man gone. Um, I wonder if that's had anything to do with the price, the match prices affecting it or anything. But yeah, so having come into this thinking, yeah, I'm going to back Everton on the handicap. I'm not going to back Everton on the handicap anymore because I think that price is a little bit too skinny. No bet. I mean, Nottingham Forest, they were unlucky not to come away with something from that game against Brighton last week. Hasn't changed the way I look in terms of their home form. Um, So, yeah, I just, again, I think that this will be a really good game, but there's nothing I can back in this one. I'm just not sure how it's going to play out. On Sunday, it's Liverpool in Fulham. A little bit of breaking news on Wednesday that Alison Becker is gone for like, I think the next five games, uh, Diego Jota, even longer, both sustaining injuries last week against Man City. Uh, but Liverpool have been a juggernaut at home. I haven't lost in the Premier League at home since October 29th of last year. 
Um, the record is phenomenal. Their last three at home, 3-0, 3-0, 2-0. Um, and they've been a 100% record at home, 17 goals scored, two conceded through six. Polina returns for Fulham. That, that, and Fulham are coming off a victory. Much like Newcastle, I can't bet against Liverpool at home. Both teams to score, no. Liverpool win at plus 127 for me. I'll take that all day. Okay. Plus 127. Um, I'm always a little bit wary, given that Liverpool have occasionally shown issues defensively, and especially with Alisson out. I know Kelleher is a steady backup, but um, I just thought the safer play was taking Liverpool on the handicap. Um, it's at minus one and three quarters at the moment. So that'd be half a bet on minus one and a half and half on minus two. And if you'd played this blind so far this season, you'd have three winners and three half wins. So you wouldn't have lost any money whatsoever in their home matches so far this season. As you said, unbelievable at Anfield. 2.6 expected goals for per game is by far and away the most in the league this season. Um, and Fulham have been shocking away from home. They yeah. allowed 2.1 expected goals against per game. So it's a good attack versus a poor defence. And um, yeah, Fulham, one win, three defeats away from home. The win was the first game of the season against Everton. They were really lucky to win that. They had considered 2.6 XG, I think. Um, and then they were fortunate to get draws at Arsenal and at Brighton. So they've ridden, ridden the luck quite a lot. But not many teams go to Anfield, ride the luck and get a result. Uh, yeah. All that. Fulham, I know this much about them. They struggle to score against good teams. And they have the third worst away XG going to Anfield. Another week for uh, players like Cunate to get healthy. I mean, th- the back line won't be a problem. Uh, Jota is a miss from an attacking perspective. But Liverpool home all day, especially against a team like Fulham. And finally, West Ham against Crystal Palace. Don't look now. I mean, West Ham plays Thursday, but going into Thursday, West Ham have won three straight in all competitions. Uh, One last week somehow at Burnley without Jared Bowen, by the way. That's notable. Palace, what a nightmare. They've lost four of their last five games now. DeCourie got injured. Aze got injured. What's going on there? it's, It's a difficult one for Crystal Palace right now, but there may be a number where you can back them. I don't know. What do you make of this game? I'm swerving the uh, 1x2 market completely. I don't I don't see much from either team to make me want to no. um, get them on side. I was tempted to go on the goal line and take over two and a half goals. Um, but that Ezzy, Ezzy being out, does that affect me enough not to pull the trigger? No, I'll, probably, I'll, still, I'll still make the play. Um, I think the reasoning is fairly sound. The yeah, West Ham games this season in general have been very, very good for goals. 10 of 13 have gone over two and a half in the league. Um, and I thought it was interesting that three of the four games that have followed a Thursday night match have gone over two and a half goals. They've actually averaged three and a half goals per game following a Thursday game. Um, so it could be just, you know, a little bit leggy, um, a bit of rotation at the back, whatever, just to try and something doing something different, basically. And, and the data paints a very similar picture. They've actually this season one point five expected goals for one point eight expected goals against per game. So chances at both ends, really. Whenever they take to the field, um, and the fact that they are they're away in Serbia on Thursday as well. So it's a it's a decent flight back, short turnaround for this game. Um, and yeah, Crystal Palace. 
they're they're an interesting case of a club that's just not going anywhere, doing anything really. They're quite stagnant, aren't they? In the sense that they're probably not going to go down. They're not going to finish in the top half. Like what what are they? What are they trying to do? Um, what they have got is some good attacking players, especially Elise. I think he showed that last week, didn't he, with that yeah. goal? Um, the player. last two games, they've, they've they've lost twice, but they've racked up over 1.8 expected goals in both. So I do think we could see quite an attack-minded Palace approach, uh, which could lead to goals. So I'm taking the overs. It's a plus number still. Well, historically speaking, I mean, these two sides, rivals, have played crazy games last Last year, Pal- or Palace won 2-1 away and 4-3 at home. West Ham haven't had a clean sheet against Palace in 12. Palace haven't had a clean sheet against West Ham in 18. They've gone over 2.5 in 5-5. Five <laughs> five. So it, it backs up where you're going. Because of that travel for West Ham, you, despite Palace's form, they've been okay at times, especially away from home, 3-1-3. and three. I'm going to go Palace on the handicap. And... Uh, so it's a win or a draw for Palace at minus 114 uh, in this game. Just a half bet, a half play, half unit play for me in this game. But these rivalry games have brought up a little bit of a crazy element. I think this game of all the games this week has draw written all over it. But the fact that their history doesn't suggest that much means I'm not going to make it a play, but I'll take Palace at minus 114 to hopefully come away with a draw and a result in this one. And that travel. Uh, could play a factor in West Ham's performance this weekend. Uh, we're done. That's 10 games through. Hoping for better things than we had last week. Uh, on a final note, do you have a favorite play this week? I absolutely do. It's Brentford at home against Luton Town on the handicap. Um, do you have a favorite play this week? Well, I was going to say Brentford at home, but given how we went last last week, I'm not going to agree with you. Um, I'm taking yeah Liverpool on the handicap would be my favourite this week. Um, minus one and three quarters. Looks a juicy price still. Brilliant. Uh, we'll be back next week. There are midweeks fixtures next week. A little bit of a too tight of a turnaround for us. So we'll be back after those midweek fixtures, looking ahead to the following weekend in the Premier League. Um, Follow Jake on Twitter at Jake Oz uh, for his updated plays. I'm sure he'll be all over the midweek fixtures as well. Myself at Gareth Wheeler, Gareth.Wheeler on Instagram. Tell your friends, subscribe, like, wherever you watch these podcasts. We appreciate your support. Uh, good luck this week, Jake. Um, again, game week 13, done and dusted. On to better and brighter this weekend. Fingers crossed, yeah. Can't get much worse. Let's go. I like our place. I say that every week, yeah. but this week, <laughs> I like our place. On behalf of Jake Better. and everyone at Pinnacle, I am Gareth Wheeler. <laughs> this is the EPL Insights.